I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Friday afternoon, Friday morning, actually, practice of the second week of 2019 spring ball. Uh, about halfway through, uh, another practice tomorrow. believe they will be scrimmaging. Today, out uh, outdoors, strictly outdoors today. They did not start indoors. They were outdoors. A little bit chilly on the lake, but... Uh, didn't rain, so good day. We asked Coach Pete about the weather, and uh, he loves this stuff. But anyways, um, good day of practice today, and we're starting to heat things up, Scott. Yeah, a little bit. You know, uh, the the offense, you know, I, I was talking with somebody uh, that was on the sideline, one of the coaches that was on the sideline asking us about things and how it's going and all this different stuff. And, and uh, the person asked me, he said, hey, you know, how, how has practice been? Has it been kind of amped up? Is it What's it been like? And I said, when the offense is making some plays, the energy level just completely is different. When the offense is making plays, and it isn't because the defense isn't amped up when they're doing well, it's just the offense is not amped up at all, and I think they're, they're kind of dragging a little bit. And I think when the offense and defense are both making plays against each other, that's when we see the most live action. And, Chris, you've been doing this a long time. And when we talk about when the offense is making plays and the offense is getting that, that everything seems to amp up, we really haven't seen the offense really click. And how much of that has to do with the reps that the quarterbacks? I mean, you don't have a guy like Jake Browning who's taking most of the reps because, I mean, they're pretty much evenly distributing them between Hayner and um, – Eason, and then the other guys are still getting quite a few more reps, but there doesn't seem like there's a lot of continuity there. Well, I'd argue just the opposite, actually. Um, first of all, Jake Browning, like last spring or whatever, he didn't need a ton of reps. I mean, he's a four-year starter. I mean, he's he knows the offense backwards and forwards. It's up to getting guys like Hayner and some of these other guys a lot more reps because the, the main point is they've got to get more than one guy ready for fall. I mean, that's the key. The key is they can't worry about just – we saw that in 2008 when Tim Lopano ran the entire offense through Jake Walker, and when Jake Walker got hurt, they had to rely on Ronnie Fouch, a true freshman, who couldn't run that offense. So we understand the pitfalls of, of kind of what happens historically when you don't try to get multiple guys ready for the fall. So I would say continuity-wise, I'd say a lot of guys are getting a ton of reps, but you'd all, you always want to get guys more reps if they can. Um, that said, I mean, to me, I feel like Jake Hayner and, and Jacob Sermon in the last couple practices are the ones that have really stood out for me. Yeah, I just don't oh, – have we seen a day where the offense has won the day? I would say if it was any day, it was last Friday – uh, when they a week ago, the, when, the, yeah, when they were the inside, plays. yeah, I, I would say it was if it was any day, it was going to be that day. I'll add too that I think of of the days that we've seen so far, the the five days that we've seen, um, this has probably been I feel like a little bit more on the balanced side. And and again, you know, the defense I think overall won the day, but I think the offense made a lot more plays than they certainly did on Wednesday, that's for sure. Well, sometimes it's hard for us to tell, too, and hard for us to know, because you don't know what's set up in advance for the coaching. You don't know what they're trying to accomplish. In some days, it's going to be defense off, you know, dominated, because that's what they're working on, and that's where the emphasis is. And, you know, where they're, you know, we've had days out here where it's been kind of boring, where they're just working on run install, and you can't tell a lot because they're not tackling. So, it's kind of hard to tell but you know right now I'd say you know halfway through this has definitely been a defense dominated uh, camp oh absolutely absolutely dominated by the defense and I think right now you're just seeing those guys play a lot faster I think they play with a lot more confidence and and everything like that so yeah and, and you got to remember Washington's missing it's two 
leaders from the last three or four years in, in Jake Browning and Miles Gaskin. So, um, you know, we'll just have to see. You know, Trey Adams isn't the most vocal guy out there. He's kind of the old man, gray beard guy out there. And, and um, you know, um, Luke Wattenberg, Nick Harris, the, those guys are, are leaders, but they're they're younger. And, and, I mean, Nick Harris isn't. He'll be a senior this year. I don't, I don't know. I just – I don't see a lot of leadership – on the offensive side of the ball like we see on the defensive side of the ball. How much are they missing Aaron Fuller and uh, Ty Jones out there? Well, yeah. I mean, you're two starting wide receivers. That's obviously another big thing, too. <clears throat> you know, but that doesn't mean that the quarterback shouldn't be able to get the ball at least down the field. You know, um, and I we've seen some mistakes and, and protections on the offensive line. We've seen the defense. Dom- so is that the defensive line dominating because they're playing really well? Or is that the offensive line screwing up? You know, it's 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 just real hard to say. I thought Joe Tryon had a good practice today. So, you know, overall, I, I just I think Washington is one of those teams that's built on defense and uh, the defense is going to dominate most of the practices we see. Yeah, I was going to add, too, that uh, we talked to Chris Peterson after practice today. We'll obviously have a story up a little bit later today on that. But, you know, he talked about the fact that, you know, he could tell the defensive guys to, to maybe go half speed or three-quarter speed on something to allow the, the offensive line to, to have some success or the offense. But he goes, what's that? Why is that? That's not going to help us. He goes, we want to see things that we know our offense is going to see from other teams down the road in the fall. And so anything that the defensive line can do right now to screw us up in a way, I mean, I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but to, but to make life difficult for them is good because that's going to make them, that's going to the, the toughen them up. That's going to make them ready to go for the fall because they can go ahead and say, okay, we saw those turns when we were running that certain thing uh, against that defensive line that particular day, whether it was spring or fall. So I think ultimately it's going to be a good thing. But what he also said is that means for the first couple weeks of spring, that means it's going to be tough for the offense and the offensive line, and they're going to probably suffer a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because this uh, camp seems like it's more about getting looks at guys Mm -hmm. Um, as compared to, I don't know if this is the right word, but instead of moving forward, they're looking at a lot of guys, and a lot of guys are getting looks. Well, that's kind of what spring is all about is getting looks at guys and and seeing how the the redshirt freshmen have improved, seeing what freshmen like Josh Calvert and – and Cam Williams and Julius Bulow and these guys, and granted Jacob Bandis isn't playing, but guys like that, um, you know, reps so they can see if those guys are ready, how far along they are, what can they do for us, can they help us this year, do we need to just not even worry about getting these guys on the field, let's just get them in the weight room and in the, in the playbook. So I, I think every spring is really about, part of it is just, I mean, why do we have spring ball, Right. It's really to get a look at the younger guys and how they've come along and to get them used to the offense and to experiment with things and all that kind of stuff. Fall camp is about a little bit of experimentation, but that's more about getting ready for the season. I don't think spring ball is necessarily about getting ready for the season. It's a getting looks at guys and what they can do. And we talked to Chris Peterson after practice, and he made some interesting comments about um, Richard Newton is a guy who's jumping out, but he still doesn't know what he has in him, Chris. Right, because you'll never know what they have in running back because they don't ever get to go full speed, pads, scrimmage, full tackling. They're, they're, the running backs are clearly the one the one position group where you don't feel bad for them per se, but you don't get a real sense of what they're going to be about. And again, when you lose 
you know, Washington's all-time running back in terms of yardage, the only guy in Pac-12 history to have four straight thousand-yard seasons, a guy with that kind of pedigree in Miles Gaskin. Now all of a sudden, yeah, you have three, you have three very good juniors and guys that have played a bunch. But who's going to step up? Is it going to be Savon Ahmed? Is it going to be Sean McGrew? Is it going to be Kamari Pleasant? Or a guy like Richard Newton, who we didn't see at all because he was rehabbing from surgery and redshirting. So, so many unknowns as far as the running backs go. But the promise looks really good, and they certainly look really good on the huff. Yeah, I, it looks like they're going to have a uh, you know solid rotation of running backs in there. And it looks like you're going to have four guys back there with Savon Ahmed, Sean McGrew, Kamari Pleasant, and Richard Newton. And I, I think that... Um, I don't think they have a number one back right now that's going to get a majority of the carries. Are you sensing that at all? I think Savon Ahmed, just because of his playmaking abilities in his home being a home run threat that he is, I think that's probably the guy. How who many will, carries do you think Savon's going to get during a, during a game? I mean, I don't th- I don't see him as game, a per game. I think Savon gets uh, twenty touches, fifteen to twenty touches. How a many game. of those will be between the tackles? Um, I don't know. Well, he's actually better running between the tackles, in my opinion, than he is out wide because he's not a guy who's going to make people miss in space. That isn't his game. His game is pure speed and getting downhill. So um, I think he'll get between 15 and 20 touches. Some of it might be receiving, catching the ball out of the backfield, things like that. Um, I could see Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant splitting about 10 carries a game, and I could see Richard Newton getting five carries a game and then just seeing – where it goes but I mean right there you're talking about 35 carries you know is Cam Davis when he shows up a lot of people thought Cam Davis might be able to come in and challenge for playing time well we'll need to see how he fits in this whole thing too well I would also say the x-factor too Kim is the the way that Keith Bonifaz likes to run his running backs during a game we all know he loves hot hand that's the way he plays them he wants to get them in the flow he wants them to carry the ball, and if that means on a certain series he's going to get five or six touches, but then the next guy comes in and he looks even better, maybe that next guy comes in the following series. So a lot of it's also going to have to do with the way that, that Keith Bonifa manages his running backs and who has the hot hand at the right time. I think that plays a lot into it as well. And one of the guys that Pete mentioned at running back is the walk-on from O'Day. Yeah, Jamie Patu. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, then again, Malik Braxton, oh. Scott, we talked about. Love, you know, love him as a walk they're, they're great scout teamers, and they're doing really, really good jobs. Um, you know, one of them's going to be a Ralph Kinney type. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Braxton's probably not going to be that guy. Patu's probably going to be more of that guy right now. But they need those guys. I mean, they need the depth. Those guys, over the course of the season, they're going to take a pounding. I, do I think either one of the, the walk-ons is going to play a substantial amount during the season? No, because they have enough depth. They have enough depth in those four guys they have right now that they shouldn't have to be able to use a Cam Davis. But Davis has shown at Upland at the high school that, that uh, he's done a really, really nice job, and he's got some great film. And so I don't think he's a guy that would necessarily be awed by playing in the Pac-12 as a true freshman. I just don't think they're going to need him. But with guys taking poundings, we, we saw what happened while Miles Gaskin in the, in the middle of the year last year with the shoulder. Um, you know, you, you've, you've got to be able to groom multiple, multiple guys for that spot. Well, yeah, and then when you take a look at what we expect this defense, we expect this defense to be really good, and I expect them to run the ball quite a bit, you know, and play ball, you know, uh, possession, time possession game. And, you know, when you've got the backs that they do, you know, when you take a look at Kamari Pleasant, Richard Newton, who are a little bit bigger than what they've had in the past, and then you throw in uh, Savon Ahmed and Sean McGrew, um, you know, they've got a lot of options that they can run, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, 
you can do a lot of different things with those guys. You just got to figure out the right combination. And, you know, like Chris said, I, I've always been a big believer in you want, if you don't have a starter, you don't have a, or if you have two good quarterbacks, you only have, you don't really have a starting quarterback, right? And if you have four running backs, you don't really have a starting running back, a number one running back. So, you know, I, I'm a big believer in you got to kind of find that guy that you can be your bell cow and then sprinkle in the other guys. So hopefully that's Savon Ahmed. I personally don't see it. I think I don't think that's his mentality. I don't think I think he's better being one of the guys that's sprinkled in, but I don't think there's anybody better than him at this point. Wide receivers, anybody really jumping out at you? I, I mean, the one guy who's caught my attention just seems to, you know, make a play every practice is uh, been Terrell Bynum, but anybody else really jumping out at you? Yeah, Terrell had a couple nice catches today just on short passes and things like that. Someone made an uh, observation, I think it might have been you, Chris, uh, about Austin Osborne, how he continues to just be consistent in making plays down the field. He's not going to blow you away with his speed or anything like that, but he did get open a couple times deep, and the quarterback either didn't see him or the quarterback didn't have time to see him, as in he was getting sacked. So um, I thought Austin Osborne actually had a pretty good practice today. Um you know, um, if we're talking about receivers, you know, tight ends, Hunter Bryant's really showing up a lot. Jacob Kaiser had a chance to make a good play, but Dominic Hampton knocks the ball away. Um, you know, it's uh, kind of a mixed bag. You know, some of it's on the quarterback, some of it's on the O-line, and some of it's on the receivers getting open. Kind of an in- insignificant uh, – did you have something on the way? Well, I was receivers? just going to say real quick, um, Kim, I, I think the two guys obviously leaving the line right now are under Bocelli, who's – I think he's – you know, he's been having a solid spring all, all, all throughout. But the guy that I think should put a smile on everyone's face, and, and Chris Peterson talked about a guy that puts a smile on his face every time he sees him is Chico McClatcher. Mm-hmm. And if Chico is in a good frame of mind and Chico's having fun playing football and things like that, that's going to be really, really good for Washington this fall. And so far, I think he's really enjoying his spring. Kind of uh, innocuous day for tight ends. Not a lot of action with the tight ends. Didn't, didn't see him do too much. So I didn't notice, but uh, somebody said, you know, with Jackson Sermon, the linebacker. Well, we noticed he was uh, snapping, you know, earlier in this week. And somebody said he was playing a little bit of H-back. Yeah, he caught a pass today. Um, little swing pass uh, from the quarterbacks. So, I I don't I don't think that's going to be a permanent move. But if they have a guy who's athletic and they think can help him a little bit in uh, the passing game, and be a threat out of the backfield, why not try and at least get him a few looks? Are they low, well, here, are they low on numbers there, real quick? Scott? Well, no. The thing yeah. that I would say is with with Justice Warren no longer being at Washington, they need to find a Justice Warren type. Could Jackson Sermon fit in for a play or two or what have you? In certain packages, sure. I mean, there might be two or three other guys that could maybe fit that mold. I don't see him moving to offense no. permanently. No. Oh, no, of course not. No, no, no. Yeah, please, for anybody yeah. listening to this, <laughs> yeah. whatever you're saying. No, that's yeah, not a move. No, no, that's not a move. Jackson Sermon is a middle linebacker and will always be a middle linebacker at Washington. Yeah, it was just a little strange, you know, seeing him catch a pass and snapping. But, you know, what's interesting, you know, and this may be a when question you say for the snapping, guys. Let's make sure it's people know it's as a long snapper no. or a short snapper or whatever. And but. also, and just as quickly, MJ Tafisi was also short yeah. snapping, well, which I thought was interesting. Well, it'd be interesting if they can develop one of these guys because we've seen Kate Otten do some snapping too. Can they develop one of these guys into being a long snapper where they don't have to have a sp- specific guy for? that and save a scholarship that way I, I think the days of saving scholarships are is long gone you look at aj cardi yeah. aj cardi earned his scholarship and more because you never talk about him that's the key yeah. if the, if you never hear from the long snapper 
That means he's done his job, and we never talk about A.J. Cardi. The guy is well worth a scholarship. They will, I, I would bet my bottom dollar they will use a, a scholarship on a long snapper for 2020. That would be interesting to see if they do. But like I said, it will be interesting to see if any, either of those guys can develop enough where they could save it. Do I think that will happen? No, but it would be interesting to keep an eye on. Well, and the other thing, too, they have another one, Luke Lane, Luke Lane from Bellevue, who's not on scholarship right now. Maybe they put him on scholarship, and he becomes the guy because he's already been here a couple years. Again, I think it's valuable enough for them. They understand that when the snaps go bad and things like that on special teams, those are game-changing type plays. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like a lineman. The less you notice them, the better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny because sometimes you get uh, Pete will light up when he talks about guys. And a lot of the time he doesn't like to talk about guys, but there are those rare occasions where he does. And you, he smiles, and you can tell he's really impressed. And that guy today that he mentioned was on the defensive side of the ball, the freshman that should still be in high school, Cam Williams. They really like Cam Williams. Yeah. No, I, I, I did notice that, too, and that was good. Um, he has been, I think, you know, you see less and less of Josh Calvert. He's more in the back end of the, of the linebacker depth right now from what we're looking at. Uh, but Cam Williams is, is right in there with the twos right now and is doing a really nice job. Um, like, like Peterson said, he said, you know, even when we go back and watch the tape, if he's making a mistake, he's making it 100%. He's going through walls. And he said his work ethic is, is exactly what you're looking for as a guy coming in. He's working his tail off. And um, I think they really, really like him. And I think they feel like they're going to use him this fall. And one of the great things about Cam Williams, if he turns out to be a really good player, is kind of like, you know, Bishop Sankey or Joe Tryon. If he gets to be a really good player, it makes Oregon player, Oregon fans crazy because he was originally committed to Oregon. Yeah, but he did remember that. Yeah, he, he saw the light. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> So. Yeah, no, but uh, he looks like a player out there. With, with Absolutely. Is he the only bald guy on the team? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is he bald or is he just shaved at bald? Um, you don't know his history? No, I don't. He has alopecia. It's been out there. I'm not, I don't I'm not breaking any news here. He has alopecia, which means he can't grow hair. Um, and so that's a condition he's had. So he has no eyebrows. He has no hair. He won't ever have to shave. I mean, how nice would that be? Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't remember that, so a lot of people listening to this probably yeah, aren't aware of it either. That, so. Yeah, it's, and it's called alopecia. Yeah, I'm 99% sure that's what it is, but yeah, alopecia. Okay, if you say so. I, can you spell it? Not off the top of my head. No. All right, uh, just checking. Uh, again, defense won the day. Uh, the, the interior linemen uh, weren't as dominant as they were on Friday, but uh, defense is still having a pretty good day, and they're just so loaded over there. Well, I mean, I saw Benning had a couple nice plays. John, John Clark got in for a sack. Benning's, you um, should say Benning's playing out, out wide again. He, hasn't, he wasn't playing with his hand down, was he? Yeah, I, yeah he's three technique, five technique. Okay. I think he's, he's kind of he standing up. I he's kind of working his way from the inside out or the outside in. But, again, I think they're using him, you know, outside linebacker, defensive line, the same way that they're looking at Eddie Ulofoshio mm. or Ariel Nada in terms of inside-outside, I think sometimes depending on how they've scripted the practice, like we've talked about, depending on what they're looking for and what they're trying to get accomplished, I think that's 
how they try to use him. But I, he was noticeable today. Joe Tryon was noticeable today. John Clark was noticeable today. The inside defensive guys weren't quite as noticeable as they were on Wednesday, but I still noticed that when the ones were out there, it really looked like it was Benning and uh, Taki Taimani that were uh, some of the guys that were in there. And it seems to me where he's flashed that I've seen anyways, that when he has flashed and he has been disruptive, it's come from the inside. Yeah, no, I mean, so far, that's what I've seen. Yeah, I mean, is this going to be something where this might be his fit, is playing more inside, more like a Michael Bennett-type guy? Well, I mean, Kwiatkowski even said when we talked to him, was it earlier this week that we talked to him? I think it was. When we talked to uh, Pete Kwiatkowski, he said, hey, he played inside in some some formations for us. Oh, yeah, when they've gone more nickel and more defensive back heavy, and they've gone smaller up front. He's even gone into the nose. Yeah. And I've seen I've seen situations where Ryan Bowman was even at the yeah. nose a couple times last year. So he said it's not like this. Is, he hasn't done this before. He just hasn't done it on running downs yeah. and played the run inside. And so that's what they're trying to get him used to is playing the run in there. Um, I think he's going to be uh, Elijah Qualls where he just moves all over the place. Corners, they've got a lot of them, you know, and, uh, you know, we're seeing Keith Taylor. I think he's got one spot locked down. I think you're going to see Elijah Molden out there all the time, whether it's out wide or in at the nickel. But that other spot, um, you know, uh, Dominique Hampton, Kyler Gordon, it seems to be rotating, you know, for that top spot in there. And that looks like quite the battle as well. Yeah, yeah. And and Hampton had a big play today with the ones. Um, I thought he – he I just – I like – Look, I love Kyler Gordon, and I think he'd be an excellent starter. So if the he wins the job, great. But sticking Dominique Hampton, who's a legit 6'2", and sticking Keith Taylor, who's almost 6'3", out there at corner, you're talking about the two biggest corners probably in the country. If not the country, then definitely on the West Coast. Have you noticed that we're not seeing a whole lot of plays by Keith Taylor? They're just not throwing They're Keith. Not throwing They're not throwing well, Keith Taylor's did. way. They did uh, that first Friday. Because he was the one that got beat by Terrell Bynum yeah. for the 80-yard touchdown. But, so, but he's also had pick sixes. Yeah, so. he has. He's had a couple. Yeah, he seems to be the guy that you know we're not talking a whole lot about because they're not throwing a whole lot over there. But uh, we were talking about this earlier, Chris. You know, uh, you know, is, is Kyler Gordon the uh, most athletic guy on the team? Is he the best athlete on this team? Well, he certainly makes it look the easiest. When you took 42-inch vert, he's very smooth. Um, yet very quick out of his breaks. You know, first step is very quick. Um, that said, I think the play that Dominique, Dominique Hampton had today on, on Jacob Kaiser was elite. That's something, that's a play that, that Kyler Gordon probably doesn't make. And it's not because Kyler Gordon can't make it. It's just that Dominique Hampton with his 70, what? He, he 74, barely got 70, it, yeah. Yeah, 75-inch wingspan or whatever, whatever it is, it's huge. And um, that's why I think some people get enamored with a guy like Jacob Eason. They see the physical talents. You see Dominique Hampton on the defensive side. It's hard not to get enamored with that kind of physical talent and that, and that just kind of raw ability. You've seen Kyler Gordon quite a lot, you know, even in high school. Yeah. Was, did he return in high school? A punt returner, kick yeah. returner? Yeah. Yeah, he did. And he played on offense, too. He was the best player on the Archbishop Murphy team his senior year. I think it'd be real interesting to see him back there returning punts. And, well, he has been. Yeah. He's been taking punt uh, return duties. I mean, they just haven't run a lot of punt returns. So Yeah, they haven't done a lot of, sp- of uh, special teams so far in camp. Uh, no, they've done a lot. They've just done more of the coverage units and yeah. blocking schemes and things like that. They haven't really done the return. The actual Which is return. actually the most boring part yeah. of practice yeah, that we is. see. Well, we just want to go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it, when you talk about the part hole part 
kind of coaching philosophy. Yeah. Special teams is where it really happens because it's like they talk the concept and then they break it down into the return and the cover game into those minutia little, you know, two man games and the and the games with the with the gunners and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that stuff, it's like watching paint dry. Yeah, I'm telling you guys what, too. The people who want to blame Bob Gregory for any inconsistency, he's just considered the special teams coordinator, but every coach is coaching special teams on that team. So Even Pete? Yeah, even Pete is. So um, I just don't know. I, I just I think it's misplaced to, to get upset at Bob Gregory for the lack of – punt returns or the lack of kick returns or the lack of coverage units. I mean, I think it's every coach. I think you can just blame the whole coaching staff, not just him. Lots of visitors, high school coaches, high school players, uh, boosters, lots of guys out here today, Scott. Yeah, lots of lots of coaches. I saw Woodenville, Eastside Catholic, Bothell, and... Um, I think I saw Gonzaga Auburn, Prep. Um, yeah, Gonzaga Prep. Auburn Mountain View was here. And then you had UPS, the uh, University of Puget Sound was up here. Although uh, one coach is always out here, he, he just loves the dogs, so he comes out anyway, um, Coach Schmidt. But um, you know, um, there were there were a couple others that were stayed down a little further from where I was, so I didn't see all the guys. But as far as players, JT Two Malau, top 21, 20, 21 player in the country, uh, was here uh, today. Um, you also had Sam Adams and DJ Rogers, the tight end, uh, the running back and tight end from Eastside Catholic. The coach. Dom Doste. Oh, yeah, Dom Doste was there. Eastside Catholic was there. Tell people how big Dom Doste yeah, is. But a, I didn't realize he was that big. He's a big boy. About 6'5"? Yeah. About 3'10"? Nah, I don't know if he's quite that big, but yeah. Carries a, he's not, he's not, carries it well. He's, he's not chubby. No. No, he looks so, good. Um, yeah, he was there. He was talking with uh, a couple people. on. The, oh, I think he was Randy Hart. Randy yeah, Hart, yeah, yeah, Randy Hart was there. Um, so, yeah, it was a good, good uh, group out there today. We'll, we'll get a hold of a lot of the guys who are – who are here over the last few days and all those new offers. Asa, so, Asa, Asa Turner here again. Yep. Yeah, Asa Turner was here and there. Obviously, I think um, Micah Hatchie was still here. Tani Tupou was here. So some of the former players are here as well. Yeah, Corey English. Was or Fuavai. Corey um, Fuavai. And I was also going to say, too, um, that there was a – it looks like there was a 7-on-7 seven seven team from the Bay Area, KT Prep Elite, it looked like, at least based on the signage and mm-hmm. what they were wearing. So uh, I thought that was interesting. I don't, I'm not exactly sure who – plays on that particular team but uh probably take a, a bit of research and figure that out too yeah uh final thoughts chris fetters again i i think i mentioned it a little bit earlier in the pod that um this was by far to me the most balanced day in terms of i think the defense still won it overall but i'd say it was more like you know 65 35 or 60 40 or whatever um, it felt like the offense at times were making some plays and i think that's where scott was making the point the astute point actually that um that it's, it's one of those rare moments where you get the offense going as well. So you had energy from both sides. I thought that was good, especially on a day when you had a lot of recruits out here and a lot of coaches. They got to see it. So there was a lot of energy and enthusiasm, especially during the team periods. Um, the quarterback's definitely still a mixed bag. I thought that Jacob Sermon, I thought Jake Hayner, uh, to my eye, had the best days of, of the group. And uh, But overall, the defense still uh, seems to rule the day. Um, definitely got some plays outside on the edges with guys like Joe Tryon and, and Benning was making plays, um, and then down the field as well. I mean, the the cornerback group, they may not have a ton of starts between them, but there's a lot of experienced guys out there, and it shows. Final thoughts, Scott Eklund, and I just also want you in your final thoughts to mention the two uh, new offers that went out yesterday. Uh, there was three new offers. Was there three or four? 
I think it was three new offers out yesterday. Um, that, so let's start with there. LV Bunkley, a wide receiver from Sarah. Um, and uh, he got an offer from the University of Washington. He's more of a slot guy. Could play outside, but more of a slot guy. Um, it's more of a Gary Bryant yeah, type, Yeah, Gary right? Bryant. Yeah, exactly. And that's what Greg Biggins compared, who Greg Biggins compared him to. Then there was uh, Princely, and I'm going to screw up the last name. He pronounced it for me last night, but it was really hard. Umanalian, or I, I, whatever his last name is. I apologize for anybody who might be offended. The fact that I don't know his, how to say his Princely last name. from Texas. Yeah, Princely from Texas. He is a 6'5", what is he, 250, 255, whatever he is, can run, can jump, can do anything. Has offers from quite a few schools. He got offered by Washington today. I talked to him. I'll have that story up tomorrow. Um, really good-looking prospect. And then uh, Xavier Carlton, he's a defensive end out of, and I don't remember, it was, it was is it Bakersfield or yeah? Or? I forget what school it was out of, but he's a six seven, two hundred and forty five, two hundred and fifty pounder, um, and can really run. And Washington has done a, their their due diligence with both of those guys. They've been recruiting them for quite a while before they offered. I asked Princely, "Hey, Washington is two thousand miles away. I mean, does this offer even mean anything to you?" And he said, "I've been interested in Washington before they even contacted me." So and they've been in contact with him for three months. They've been recruiting this kid. So curious on whether or not you think there's a. I know probably I don't know too much about him yet, but is there? Could he be a connection with like a, a guy like Levi? And well, I asked him that. Did he know anybody? Did did he know Levi Onwuzurike? Because uh, Princely is actually Nigerian as well. So I don't know. Because up up here we know. Costa Barlamos, right? And, and you know the Greek community, and the Greek community all kind of knows each other in this state and in this region, right? I didn't know if the Nigerian community down in Texas kind of is more tight-knit. I didn't know. And he said no, he did not know Levi, but he did know that there has been some Texas guys who've had some success up here and, ha- and enjoyed themselves up here, and that was another reason why I was interested. So what was the rest of your – No, two real quick okay. recruiting questions. Yeah. How many offers does Washington have out right now? 53. And how many offers does Oregon have out to wide receivers? <laughs> Chris Vetter said it, 53. <laughs> I think I saw – no, I just saw a tweet. I think it was 52 or 53. Wide receivers. Yeah, yeah total. So final thoughts from the weekend, yeah. Scott? Uh, from today, today, I mean, yeah, from today. Um, you know, I just to echo Chris, first of all, I was very thankful that he mentioned my name and the word astute. Um, in the same sentence there, so that was actually pretty nice right there, yeah. Um, but <laughs> as far as the practice, I, I don't think I could add much more to Fetters. I, I think the, the offense definitely made more plays today than they made on Wednesday and on Monday, but the defense was still the stronger stronger group. Um, I was really interested watching the, the secondary and how it flows and how, how the movement happens and everything like that. That was real fun to see. I think Brandon McKinney's really starting to get clued in and dialed in on on his responsibilities in that secondary at least until he got walloped by (laughs) by elijah molden yeah but but i mean he's playing fast and and that's something i don't know if we saw that so much his first two years on campus because i think he was still kind of feeling his way as far as the offense you know they're going to be hit and miss but it always seems to be like that in the spring so um you know it's just a learning process and figure out where it goes yeah, uh, we'll just keep on watching the quarterback situation um, and see if the reps change at all. It hasn't in the first two weeks. We'll see if that changes any on Monday. Um, the weather, I asked Pete if this is good, bad, and he loves this weather. I hate it, but I'm not playing. But, uh, um, well, you know, the weather. Remember, Kim, his point was you don't get this weather in yeah. the fall. Yeah. You know, at least when they're practicing. Now, once October, November comes around, 
then they're dealing with this fall, this kind of weather again. But, you know, when they're in the dog days of fall camp in August, it's, you know, yeah. it could be 80, 85 degrees. It's probably 46, 47 degrees, and then that wind off the lake makes it a little cooler, and then the air is a little bit moist. So, um, yeah, it definitely makes a difference. It definitely makes it a little cooler out there, but uh, they seem to enjoy it. Um, we'll see what, what next week brings, so uh, halfway through. Anyways, just a reminder. If you're looking for those daily updates in your inbox and uh, breaking news alerts, just shoot us a note. HuskyStadium at gmail.com. HuskyStadium at gmail.com. Subject line newsletter. We will get that out to you. Uh, For all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs.